How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast, the longest running Gold Coast Sun show on the interwebs, all thanks to our Patreon sponsors, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Tom Kim and Tim. Thank you for supporting the show, very much appreciated. And tonight's big question is how do we fix the suns? Joining me to discuss this deep question, uh, regular on many many afl.com.au shows and friend of the gc Sunscast, mitch cleary welcome back to the show shane thanks for having me no worries thank you for coming back especially after the last time we had you on uh a few audio issues resulted in not getting your opinions and your points across but it was a great show just for us it was you and i enjoyed it uh, might have been a little bit of symmetry with how the gold coast season was going to pan out potentially we should have, we should have known at that stage shane that it wasn't going to uh, improve or get any better from there from there no it wasn't um i thought you had some great points considering we just discussed a, a heavy loss for the suns um and it looked like they had some merit for the for the next few weeks after that uh, the suns came out full of steam and had a few good wins but we're back on that trail where the Suns just haven't shown up yet again. And uh, hopefully what we discussed tonight helps spurs them on and we get a similar result as last time. Yeah, potentially. Um, I think last week against Freeman was probably probably more more disappointing in terms of the loss given the opponent. Uh, Port Adelaide was always going to be a tough ask. On the weekend, just gone. But it was I think it was the the effort and the, the type of loss more so than the actual results. So I'm sure we'll... Uh, sink our teeth into it but it's uh yeah it's, it's starting to slip away for the suns in all too familiar fashion yeah it is it's it's not so much that they're losing it's the way they lost and we look at the we'll touch on the port game it was four goals seven thirty one to 12 goals nine eighty one a 50 point loss it should have been a heavier loss than that port were in control the entire game and King was the only multiple goal scorer, and we didn't have too much else on the field to to support them. Miller does what he's been doing all season. He t- he came to the party with 31 disposals, seven clearances, and 15 contested possessions. Powell does what he does best, and that's intercept with 12 intercepts and 20 disposals at 85% efficiency, one of our best ball users. And Noah Anderson, 30 disposals and 22 uncontested. So another great game for the second-year AFL youngster. Um, but not much worked for the Suns. Nothing. It, we didn't really see too much difference from the week before against Fremantle. And I think that's probably more damning because we expected the Suns to come out and be full of um, fire. But they they just 
they just gave a puff and that was it. Yeah, especially what Stuart Jew said the week prior, saying there was a lack of effort. It was the most disappointing loss of the season against Fremantle. You thought they would have come out all guns blazing, as you said. And I think in the first half, we, we did the numbers on our show, the round so far. Both sides were equal on inside 50s. But Gold Coast had kicked two goals at that stage, and they were both from either a free kick or a um, 50-metre penalty. So that forward connectivity was a major concern. Um, I think last time you and I spoke, I was really concerned with the Gold Coast's lack of defensive pressure and the ease of they were able to score. Um, the opposition were able to score against them. But right now, it's the, the lack of forward firepower, isn't it? As you said, Ben King is probably holding his own. What is he, top five or six now in the common medal race? But only North Melbourne have scored less points this year than Gold Coast. And to finish uh, with just 31 points against Port Adelaide on the weekend when they were only beaten in the inside 50 count by five is pretty damning on that front half. Uh, no connectivity between their front uh, front six and, and their midfield. Um, yeah, I'm really worried that the, uh, the defence might have been a bit prioritised in recent times and that's still not sort of holding up and uh, the attack is uh, is falling away as a result. Yeah, it's been a lifelong question as a Sun supporter is how do we kick a winning score and it doesn't look any better. I think we've got the cattle there with King, Ainsworth. Um, he didn't play that game, but I suspect he'll come in for the next game after his VFL performance. Uh, Rankin and Holman, Day, we've, we've got some players there that can convert, but I really think the issue is with the the leading patterns and the the opposition being to just filling in that hole and uh, the the Suns mids and defenders just kicking it straight to them because the amount of times you watch a Suns game and they will kick it directly to the opposition player and that's what uh, Port Adelaide fed off on the weekend with Aaliyah Aaliyah just dominating that game from the back half. Yeah, the the Suns just didn't have an option, and they didn't look like they could change it either. They just kept doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, it, it's a real concern. Whoever's the forwards coach down at the Suns has their work cut out for them. That's for sure. Yeah, just looking even before the show about the score involvements stat. So that is any player involved in a chain that can end up, you know, in Gold Coast scoring. Jack Bowes and Hugh Greenwood were the highest two score-involvement players on the ground for the Suns and only had three each. So Took Miller, you've spoken about him and the impact in the footy that he had. He had a stack of clearances. Um, he's had all that footy, sorry, 450 metres gained. He didn't have a single score-involvement for the whole game. So not one disposal he had actually turned into a chain that went forward and scored, which is pretty – that's pretty extraordinary, I, I think. And I haven't really looked – too deeply into the Suns since the start of the season. But that, that stands out to me as a, as a pretty damning stat. And I know everyone's talking about Took Miller, you know, as an Australian, and he's getting plenty of footy. He's winning good praise for his, you know, his hard running. But you know, on the flip side is the old Gold Coast. Sorry, not the old Gold Coast, because that isn't much better. But the old Took Miller might have shut down a play like Ollie Wines. And it's good that Took's going to win his own footy. But Ollie Wines has had 43 disposals on the other, on the other side of things. And just dominated that game. Stephen Motlop as well. So they've probably shied away from shutting down opposition players and maybe what they have otherwise, and it's just not uh, bringing the results that they otherwise might have uh, been able to sort of split that midfield battle. 
Yeah, that's another good point because a player like Tuuk Miller, he's performing, I wouldn't say elite, but he's performing in, in the top escalon of midfielders at the moment, but he doesn't have the damage that your, yeah. your danger fields, even your Pendlebury, uh, when he was in his, his prime, he doesn't have that damage of being able to really hurt the opposition when he gets the ball. It almost feels like a lot of his possessions are just uh, cheapies, um, using the fantasy football term, the old one-two, uh, to, to get the, the handball received back again. Um, Tuke Miller probably should be having more of an impact hitting the scoreboard. So you're right there on that one. That's a good pickup. Um, yeah, just just on that, like, and there's all for that. I'm all for those players like took me like getting a heap of contested possessions and winning clearances. But you've got to be giving it to the guys on the outside, and that's where it comes into. I know um, Oki Waller was injured, but these are the guys you want the ball in the hands of. Uh, Noah Anderson going forward, and they're just not having the impact that they might have otherwise had. I, and I know Noah Anderson was really good on the weekend, but the consistency for these young kids is still going to take time. That's where I think it needs to come down to Brandon Ellis, Lockie Weller, David Spy, the guys that you traditionally want the ball in the hands of going forward, and that's where it's breaking down as well. Yeah, and Rory Atkins, you know, he's a high-price yeah. recruit the Suns got in, and that's the role that they want him to fill, and he's not even in the best 22 at the moment. Oh, oh we, should, we could do a whole podcast on Rory Atkins. What <laughs> deal coming across... They wanted some leadership from him. Um, didn't rock up, you know, in the shape that he probably could have from everything I'm hearing and, and sort of left a little bit to be desired in, in that area. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not good when you're getting smacked around by Fremantle and a player who, what is he, 26, 27 now, can't break into that best 22 when he's got a four-year deal and he's only halfway through, uh, half of one season through it. That's uh, pretty concerning. Yeah. While we're on this topic, I will argue the point on Brandon Ellis. I know you said on AFL Exchange that we overpaid him, and that is probably a fact. But I actually believe Brandon Ellis has lived up to the the amount of money he's getting paid up here in the Gold Coast, the amount of uh, work he's doing in the club and the amount of weight he's lifted on the field. I feel he's actually playing it probably the best football he's played. Yeah, I'll give you that. And I... I think he got a five-year deal at around six hundred thousand dollars a season. The average wage for an AFL player is four hundred. Uh, I, I wasn't when I made that point. I wasn't probably trying to critique him and saying he hasn't lifted his weight. It was more that they did have to overpay market value for him to get him up there. And that's I'm sure we'll get into more of the bigger picture on the Suns, but that's probably more as to a reflection on where the club's at. They have to overpay for these sort of guys. In my opinion, you know, Brendan Ellis. Solid player, premiership player at Richmond, role player at that club. He's around a four hundred to five hundred thousand dollar player, but they just need to be paying these sort of guys to convince them that they need to be playing their footy up in Queensland. And unfortunately, that's the way it's headed again. With um, I even heard Tony Cochran speaking on the couch that he felt they were close to getting um, some big name players in the last year who pulled out at the last minute. I don't claim to know who they are, but that's just uh, sums up where the Suns are at at the moment. Yeah, I think every Suns player since that interview has been scratching their head over who they think they are. I mean, there were rumours last year of Josh Kennedy from West Coast coming over. Is that the sort of big-name player they were referring to? A, a Sean Burgoyne that was also rumoured to come over for a year? Or yeah. were, they, were they talking about an actual player in the, in their prime wanting to come over? That's, that's a question I guess we'll never know. Yeah, I'm hoping it's a player in their prime. There was the Eddie Betts one as well from a few years ago. Maybe Tony got his timeline mixed up a little. He was 
in a bit of a to and fro with the uh, on the couch boys, but um, I don't claim to know, and I would uh, I might do a bit of digging on that one. Maybe next time we'll speak. Well, that's that's uh, one thing. We'll discuss the Tony Cochran stuff on the couch last night. That was a great piece of uh, interviewing, at least from some supporters' point of view. Um, I I know he's a a a figure that is sort of you you love him or you hate him in Melbourne. But uh, up here on the Gold Coast, I think every Sun supporter absolutely loves the passion that Tony Cochran brings to the footy club and how quick he is to jump up and defend uh, the Gold Coast Suns. I, I think we might be getting a bit tired of the line of the kick numbers and everything, but yeah. he still delivers this, the same passion. And I guess from a media point of view, you've got to love the one-liners he drops every time he does an interview. My favourite Tony Cochran line is... Uh, opinions are like assholes. Everyone's got one. He he, he does have some rippers, and I, I really like him. He's always accessible. He's always passionate and, and wears his heart on his sleeve. I, I love that. Now we just got to see a bit of this come to fruition because if everyone who was as, was as passionate as Tony Cochran, then I'm sure the club would be in a better situation. It, it must hurt someone like him to have the passion and energy he does for the club, and then see the performances that they put out like the last two weeks. So. I just hope that some of that can infiltrate the group and he can start to see some results. This week is a massive game, isn't it? And I know we're sort of talking more about the now, but if he can get down there to watch his side play, that is a that is a monstrous game and they can't be losing to North Melbourne in the situation they're in right now. Yeah, the North Melbourne game is a huge danger game. I get the feeling if if the Suns lose that game to North Melbourne and they lose it in a similar fashion to their last few weeks, there could be a huge shake-up. Like, I would not be surprised to see Stuart Jew or an assistant coach or even the head of football at the Suns walk or be forced out the door after a loss to North if they continue to dish up the same sort of insipid performances we've seen in the last two weeks. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't claim to know anything like that. I think the club, everything I heard up until the last sort of few months was everyone was really happy with Mark Evans and John Haynes was doing a good job as head of footy, but as we've seen, the history of football is if results aren't coming, a fourth coming on the field, um, things need to happen off it, and it's much easier to move on a couple of administrators or coaches, and it is forty players. So potentially, I, I hope, hope it doesn't come to that because they seem to be good operators, but something's not working right now. It's not clicking, and things will, will need to change in some aspect. Well, have you been preparing your uh, coaching pressure gauge article uh, for next season or even do you have one coming out at the end of this well, year? Because I'd say Stuart Jew would certainly be up the top of that list. Yeah, for sure. I actually did one, what, actually bring it up now while we're chatting. Um, I did one probably three or four weeks ago um, and he was in the top three or four, I think, at that point. I think I had... Buckley one, which obviously we know what's happened there. Teague at two. I think Drew might have been at three or four. Um, I'm just going to bring it up now while we're chatting. But he, yeah, he, he's going to have to either be re-signed or go into next year under a stack of pressure. And uh, unfortunately, the way it's looking is it might be more than later. Uh, that pressure he's going to face heading into next year without a deal beyond it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we talk about the potential of Stuart Drew getting... Uh, getting the chop if the Suns continue poor performances, but how would it be viewed if 
the Suns were going to sack another coach and then have to pay him out. And we all know that the Suns are essentially run by the AFL, funded by the AFL. It's going to be a major talking point in AFL circles about the another waste of money that the Suns have have delivered on if they were to sack a coach a year before his contract ends. Yeah, and that's where I can see the conversation. Is it an Alistair Clarkson? Is it as an ambassador type? I'm not saying it's Kevin Sheedy, but you can see the rationale, what they did there with the, the outspoken coach and, and someone who can make a bit of a song and dance because, unfortunately, as Tony said, and as they spoke about on the couch interview, part of the Gold Coast is growing the game, and but they do need to be judged on their on-field performances. So it is a bit of a catch-22. I don't think Stuart Jew is in a really serious pressure right at this point, but if they were to start losing games like the ones against North Melbourne, let's just put it this way. I wrote a piece last week. They'd won three, win- three games out of 42 in the second half of seasons since 2017. If they have another naught or one win season to finish this year, then Stuart Jew should be under serious pressure. I, I just think it can't go on like this for too much longer. Yes, they've got a young list, but they've got a big list and they've got a stack of young kids. They've still got enough experienced core players there. And on the weekend, Jared Witts from their best 22, Rory Thompson's missed a lot of footy, I know, but in terms of their best handful of players, Rory, Jared Witts is the only one really missing from that group that I could sort of work out on the weekend. Yeah. Um, I mean, a coach's responsibilities obviously come from on field. That's where they get judged the most. But I think from a Sun supporter point of view as well, there are a lot of rumours floating around up here anyway that uh, Stuart Jew may have lost the, the the players. He may not be be too stubborn to, to listen to those around him and it's his way or the highway sort of attitude. Yeah. If that is the case, then that could be a serious problem for the football club. Um, and I think that's what might be putting some supporters on edge, hearing these sorts of rumours about the off-field and what's going on behind the scenes. And I think it may be exasperating the, the issue because it's not just a case of poor performances and not winning games. That would solve a lot of the issues, yes, but I think what's adding to that fire is the fear that the Gold Coast Suns have stuffed up a third rebuild and we would have to go through for a fourth rebuild. I think that's where a lot of diehard members, Suns people that's been foundation members of the football club might be questioning themselves as to whether they can go around for a fourth time. Yeah, and on the coaching, just the first point you made, it was interesting last year, the amount of changes they made, you know, the Dean Solomons and all these guys that were moved out while under contract. That says to me a bit, a bit more to that point about Jew being a bit of a controlling figure there and, and wanting people around him. That's why I wrote so this year. That there's no excuses this year for what the Suns can produce because they've, the, they've got the kids at, you know, yes, they are young, but they've got those guys in that three- and four-year bracket now, like your Jack Bowes, like your Will Powell's. Um, these sort of kids are coming through. Um, and the coaching panel was handpicked by Drew. He, he, it's sort of it's his coaching panel now as opposed to what he might have walked into originally. So I've got so many questions right now for the Suns. And, and one of those is, why is it Braden Fiorini? Um, why is it Ben Ainsworth running around in the twos when they should be league footballers? And is the development into those guys good enough? And another one to that is, why is uh, Josh Corbett 
still running around yeah. in the twos. He's kicked uh, five goals on the weekend. I think he had three or four the week before, so that's like eight or nine goals in the last two weeks of VFL football. And yeah. he can't get into that, that sun side that can't kick a winning score. And he looks how good did he look at the at the MCG against Collingwood in one of the club's best wins for the season or he, one of the looks sensational. And yeah. I, I don't fully understand why. I know why Burgess would be playing and Day be playing ahead of him because of the, the ruck crisis and the fact those two can give a chop out in the ruck. But uh, a player like Corbett, who's that, that mid-sized forward, he's an aerial threat, he's a ground-level threat, he's one of those hard-to-match-up players in the competition. And he. If you've ever been a renter, you know it's stressful to find a place with everything you love and nothing you don't. But did you know Zillow does rentals? It makes the search so easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find that place that's in your budget, but also isn't a shoebox. Or a place that's close to your parents, but far enough they have to call first. Plus, it's easy to apply, request tours, and pay rent in the app. Head to ZillowRentals.com and find your sweet spot. Can't seem to break into that sun, he, that side. He'd be a real weapon if he could get in. Yeah. Um, and as we spoke about, the, the, the fire power attack is a big concern at the moment. Yeah. Now, Stuart Jew having his, his the coaches around him, the people around him that he wants. Uh, Josh Franco is no longer one of those coaches. He's out the door with family issues. Uh, we still don't really fully know what the story is behind closed doors there. Um, the Suns have sort of hosed down whatever was being touted in the media last week. But yeah, there, there's something going on there. The real issue is who will the Suns get to replace Franco? Um, I'm not even sure what field Franco was. Uh, I think he might have been a midfield coach. But yeah. Um, yeah, th- there's certainly a hole in the coaching department at the Suns. And uh, is, is there any talk down there of replacements that could be the Suns would be looking at? I'd know Lepic would be a... He should be high on their radar. Someone that knows the game is a, a bit of a Queensland uh, legend, and he he was quite highly touted when he was coaching, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe he by his own admission went a bit too early into the senior coaching when he went to to Brisbane. But everyone you speak to at Richmond speaks highly of him, and he's done well in the media this year. I, I think he'd be someone who they they should be looking at for sure. As for Franco and Jew, well, yeah. I, I don't claim to know exactly what's going on, but as you say, that there feels like there's something more to it. Um, given Franco's leaving into this year, whether that's been brought to a head, you know, a bit of tension potentially among the coaching ranks. Um, that's how I view it. Um, but they do need it. The, the issue, like we spoke about with players um, and getting it, you know, big name players, is you got to try and find someone who you're going to pull out of the of a footy heartland, not only Victoria but WA and SA who going to uproot their whole life and their families. Um, most of these assistant coaches are at an age now where they have families. So uh, that, that, is a, that is a challenge. Um, and with the way the soft cap going, just that traditional senior player who transitions straight into um, footy coaching isn't really there now. And I don't think the Suns need that. I think they do it like you. I agree with you. They need that experienced sort of assistant coach or someone who's got the runs on the board. Um Neil Craig's there, but I'm not sure sort of how much of an impact he can have during the week. Um, yeah, these are the things that are uh, 
the, the problems facing John Haynes and his footy department right now. Yeah, I mean, Neil Craig, he's, it almost sounds like he's, he's more of a trampoline where Drew just sort of bounces ideas off him and that's yeah. about it because I, I don't think Neil Craig has too much input into that. Um, so if you were in, if you were, I don't know, a head of an independent review panel or yeah. part of the AFL, you're tasked with how do you fix the Suns? What are you looking at? What areas of the, the football club do you think need to be addressed the most? Well, the soft cap and the need, even I was stunned last night when Tony Cochran said that they can't actually pay their current soft cap to the full degree as they would like. So they're, they're actually underpaying what the already reduced money is at the moment, which is a concern. I'd go in and give the Suns an extra million dollars on top of the, the six or so, wherever it sits out at the moment. Give them $7 million. Clearly, the, the priority picks, the extra draft picks, and the, the player incentives they've got, like the mature age players they got with Corbett and Collins and these guys, hasn't worked. So I'd go and sort the soft cap. And I'd really do a deep and thorough investigation as to why these kids aren't improving. Well, why is it Ben Ainsworth playing reserves when he was a top 10 draft pick? And why is it Braden Fiorini being able to average more than 20 disposals a game at AFL level still playing reserves fully for a large chunk of this season? So they're the things that I would do. Um, extra money in their cap just hasn't worked because they're going to have to overpay for them anyway. Um, and then I sort of look, well, do you go and get some of these mature 24, 25, 26-year-olds but that they're sort of trying to go and have done that, haven't they? So, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a loss. I think they need to sort out everything around it and get the development into these kids because the cattle is there that it's going to be getting more out of them. Yeah, we know draft picks isn't going to work. We've had a glut of them and haven't seen the improvements. We know the recruiting mature age players to an extent isn't going to work because the you're either recruiting players that are near the end of their, their career looking for a bit of a, a superannuation top-up uh, or just want to continue playing past their prime. And then you've got to overpay for the, the B-grade and the A-grade players yeah. to, to come up to the Gold Coast. And usually to overpay to get a player out of a club, especially if they're under contract, you have to overpay them quite a bit and then just adding on the extra tax, let's call it, to come up to Queensland. It's, yeah. a, it's a big, big call. I think you're right. I was a bit shocked with uh, Stuart, uh, Tony Cochran's comments about the financial woes the club had yet last yeah. night because it it almost sounds like they're not getting the full funding. Like uh, I don't know whether it was the salary cap he was talking about specifically or the soft cap, but it sounded like they're not they don't have the money to fund it, whatever it was. And that's pretty vital because that ensures that every team in the competition is on an evil, even playing field. So yeah. first of all, they need to be able to be on the same level playing field as every other competition team in the comp. And then on top of that, like you said, I think we need that soft cap. If I remember correctly, a few years ago when the Suns approached the AFL for assistance, there was a review put forward with a request of everything they needed. And I'm pretty sure the, there was a request for an increase to their soft cap and financial assistance as well as part of that. And the AFL knocked it back at that time. 
it seems now like that was a, a decision that the AFL needed to make and uh, they're probably going to have to make it sooner rather than later now as well. Yeah, well, the picks just haven't worked, have they? No. Um, I think what you're talking about as well, there was an also, as part of that bid, I believe, and speaking to people at the Suns at the time, a, an increase around welfare and having some of that money for welfare staff and well-being staff fall out of the cap, uh, if, if that rings a, rings a bell. Um, yeah. I just look at their list and... You, you, some of the names, they should just be performing better than what they are. So does it come back to the coaching? Does it come back to the development? Does it come back to the want of the players? It almost feels like, you speak to the Suns people, remember they went on that that journey around the country uh, when the, the stadium was being used for um, Commonwealth Games? Game? 2018, yep. Yeah, it sort of galvanised them a bit. I, I sort of just, and I don't know this by, by much, but whether the players, are, whether they're entrenched enough in football and whether they're you know, these are all the questions I'd be asking if I was. Uh, well, I you know, don't think many of those players are still left on the list because that was when we still had Tom Lynch and Stephen May back yeah. in 2018. Um, but even like it. So when I when I mean when I talk about that, I mean like living together on the road was, was it almost a better thing for them because they were sort of having to live the life as a professional footballer. It feels like now, and I'd be asking all these questions. I don't claim to know, but are you doing everything you can to be a professional footballer? Are you in at the club on your days off? Are you you know, not just sunning yourself surfing every day. Like, these are all the things I'd be asking. Yeah, yeah, good point there. Um, I did have another point to bring up, and I have gone blank. So let's move on to the, uh, the remainder of the season. What are we looking for? Uh, to sort of see any sort of improvement for the Gold Coast Suns, you you did your article the other day about the the hist- you know the Gold Coast Suns after after the bye, and they've only won three games out of forty or something like that. Yeah, they they definitely we definitely need to see wins, but there's more yeah. to it than that, and I think it's being able to kick goals, being able to have competitive scores and also being able to build their percentage back up. They had a healthy percentage leading into the buys. It was over 90% and um, that's dropped right down now after a couple of floggings and I think it's sitting around 85. So they definitely need to try and build that percentage back up and I think that's sort of a good indication of where a team is at their percentage. Yeah, and I, I look at how Essendon convinced Zach Merritt in the space of 13 weeks that Essendon was the place to be. I think you need to just show enough from these young kids. I want to see a debut from Elijah Hollins. I want to see Jeremy Sharp come in and make a name for his, himself. I want to see Ben Ainsworth return to form, Darcy McPherson, these sort of guys. So wins are one thing, but I just think that the overall vibe of the club, and I think, like you say, the, the goal scoring needs to improve because um, – I've got a big concern if they fall away this season, then their players go away for their off-season with already a negative attitude, then what hope have they got to keep Lukosius, Rankin and Ben King next year? So this is a massive eight or nine weeks now for the footy club to show the signs. And if it doesn't happen now, then like you say, this third wave could turn into a fourth pretty quickly. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I remembered what I was going to bring up before, the development issue that we were just talking about. You're right there because even the Suns players that have gone on to other clubs, 
I still feel like they haven't lived up to the expectations we all had of those players leading into their, their early AFL careers. You look at the likes of Jaeger O'Meara, who was touted as being the next Chris Judd, uh, or Jack Martin, who was also touted as being like yeah. the next Chris Judd. Uh, Tom Lynch was highly touted going in. He's gone on to win uh, a Coleman medal and win some premierships, but uh, it's not his individual performances, which I think is is uh, setting him up for success. I think it's more of the Richmond success, the team success that comes at Richmond that has brought the success to him. Um, I, I just feel like there's something going on with the development at the Gold Coast Suns, which has hampered a lot of the talent that is coming through their door. And that certainly needs to be addressed, whatever's going on there. And uh, the other issue with the welfare I know speaking to some of the parents of players uh, before COVID hit that the the club was really pushing the welfare aspect. They had staff on hand to help uh, players settle in and outside of football be available there for them. Those staff are also available for the parents to help the parents feel settled. Uh, but from my understanding, that's dropped right off since COVID happened because they've had to make cuts to the football club. And uh, that looked to be where the cuts were coming from initially. So yeah. those sorts of issues, they need to get straight back into place as soon as possible because welfare is going to keep the player retention. And that's probably the most vital aspect for the Gold Coast Suns going forward. Yeah, especially for a club out of a heartland. And, and a lot of the, and I know the club's put a lot of energy into having homegrown players, but a lot of the players are still, you know, Victorian, South Australian, West Australian, as you... As you say, so yeah, that that is a big focus. And if I was uh, tasked with that review, as you say, Shane, I'd be looking at those sort of things. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to the VFL game. It was uh, a lot more exciting to watch than the Suns versus Port Adelaide. Gold Coast nineteen goals seventeen one hundred and thirty one defeated Aspley eighteen goals seventeen one twenty five, a six point victory for the Suns. It was a seesawing affair with uh, multiple goals scored in a row. Very high-scoring game. Uh, Corbett kicked five goals, Ainsworth four, and Townsend two. They were the multiple goal scorers. The players that impressed was uh, Jeremy Sharp, 31 disposals, and the goal playing off the wing, getting plenty of the footy and doing as he pleased. Ben Ainsworth with 24 disposals to go with his four goals. And Darcy McPherson, 24 disposals and 10 tackles was everywhere as well. The big talking point from this game, though, was the the new recruits, the two debutants, Elijah Hollands. He had one goal, one, uh, nine disposals, five marks. And the best thing about him was he looked lively whenever he went near the footy. He's got a great set of footy smarts, and he certainly didn't look like he was coming back from a knee, Rico, despite the fact the club managed him on the field. And he's a he's a player that once I feel the maybe a few weeks of the club managing how much game time he gets, I think he's going to quickly push his way into the senior side because he looks like a superstar. And, oh, he's a star! And yeah. Just on him quickly, um, clubs had him in their top three or four last year, and if it wasn't for the ACL, he could have gone pick one or two. So uh, I think the Suns have a beauty there. Now it's just about getting the right amount of footy. Do I'd love to see him play three or four games of AFL to finish the year once he builds that fitness. Yeah, he's definitely... Uh, I was so impressed with what I saw of him. Um, 
he just knew where to. He was he played predominantly forward, but once he gets the the minutes under his belt, he'll push up into that midfield and he'll be silky smooth and he'll be one of the stars of the competition if he if he can develop as we've discussed earlier. If he can develop and um, have a clear run with injuries, he's going to be an absolute star. Um, yeah. The other player that we're all watching is the Ruckman Ned Moyle from the mid-season mm. draft. 31 hitouts on managed game time. So it seems like he only played about half a game. Uh, they seemed to rest him in the second and the third, the fourth quarters. Um, basically, whenever he was in the ruck, the Suns had first use of the ball and it showed immediately on the scoreboard because... He went into the ruck and the sun started to kick goals. And as soon as he went out off the ground, uh, Aspley would get back on top. So he's going to be a great player when he when he gets going. He had 13 disposals to go with it. And he reminds me a lot of uh, a bit of a cross between Brody Grundy and Shane Mumford. He's got the desire to get around the ball and have an impact. And uh, he gets disposals a bit like Grundy, but he also knows how to tackle and tackle hard like Shane Mumford. So I really like what he brings. Jeez, you give him high reps there, Shane. Uh, he, I hope his family listens to the uh, GC Suns cast. So they'll be excited. <laughs> I was really thoroughly impressed watching him. Um, I don't know whether it's because we've had to endure Zach Smith for so long, um, but it's just so good to see a a really good Ruckman coming up. And being such a young player, he's got so much upside. We all know it takes a good three to four or five years for a Ruckman to develop. And uh, Moyle, once he gets going, I think he's going to be the Suns' main Ruckman, uh, especially once Jared Witt's... Uh, moves on but um yeah he's he's going to be a good player he just needs that time as i said he was managed and yeah don't know how how much quality the the aspley ruckman gave but um yeah his his ability to immediately have an impact with a side that he's only probably been training with for a week at most i'm not sure when his um quarantine finished but he wouldn't have been with the with the uh the side for long and to nah. for the side to be able to read his ruck work pretty quickly and and have advantage going forward that was really well, impressive all right gold coast have been just just on him gold coast have been screwed over by a number of clubs with trades and that sort of thing maybe this is one the suns fans can hold on to in years to come because we all thought hawthorne were going to take pick two the mid-season draft, they went for John Newcomb instead, who's going to be a good player. But the uh, the, the Ned Moyle one sneaking through to the Gold Coast might just be uh, one that uh, Suns fans can celebrate in years to come. Yeah, it'd be another good news story to come out of the mid-season draft, uh, which seems to be a bit of a success. You had a go at it this year with uh, Cal. How how <laughs> was it besides Cal bringing up the Ducks and Drakes on the sh- on the air? <laughs> I love it. I think it's it's awesome because it gives clubs the opportunity, if they're in the window now, to go and get a player like a Matt Parker or even years gone by um, Marlon Pickett at Richmond or Gold Coast can go and say, well, Ned Boyle, you might play a game or two of AFL to finish the season, but you're a long-term prospect for us and they can you can beat the rush. So I like that it has a, an impact for all clubs and uh, hopefully we see. I'm actually more for the mid-season draft than a mid-season trade period. I think there is something still in the art of building the list uh, over this past 12 months and only having the one trade period. That's just me. 
Uh, but I do like the, uh, the mid-season drafts, definitely. Yeah. Well, uh, only time will tell just how successful that mid-season draft has been and how far Ned Moyle goes in the AFL system. Uh, but until next time, thank you very much for joining me tonight, Mitch, and uh, all the best going forward. Uh, we should hopefully have you on the show in the coming weeks. Hopefully we've got a few more Ws to talk about in that time, Shane, because I definitely need it the sun. This is a massive nine weeks yeah, for the future of the club to, to, uh, to make sure they're on the right track. Oh, by the way, before we go, have you been um, chasing up Cal and Riley about jumping on the Suns with the shout-out membership? I know you're a member. They're, uh, they're two of the bigger tight asses that I've met, those two, especially <laughs> Cal. So um, I do need to chase them up. Noah Anderson, if Noah Anderson can't do it, then I don't know who he can. But uh, I was uh, on board from the, from the get-go. I'm still waiting on membership pack from the club, my stickers and my scarves. So I wanted to chase it up myself. Yeah, you'll need to chase that up with them. Um, but yeah, the Suns are almost up to 20,000 members. Uh, they've already smashed their all-time membership record this year. And if they can reach 20,000, that will be a huge achievement for this football club. Oh, absolutely. And yep. on that note, let's end it for tonight. Again, thank you very much, Mitch. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Speak to you then. Go Suns. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place. But Zillow Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything. So you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.